In your Bibles, please, for the, uh, to the third chapter of Joshua, we continue our reading in that great book. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1, hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said, Unto the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither, and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Now therefore, take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe a man. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon an heap. And it came to pass, when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose upon an heap very far from the city of Adam <clears throat> that is beside Zaratan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. 
May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. All right, so notice uh, in verse 1 we hear Joshua rose early in the morning. Four times in the book of Joshua we're going to hear that about Joshua. That four times it is said of him, he rose early in the morning. What does that mean, that he rose early? It means he had a particular diligence to be about the work that God had given him. Right? So early rising is, a, uh, is something that is uh, extolled in Scripture. It's something that is, that is encouraged in Scripture because it speaks toward diligence. All right, so uh, they removed from Shittim and came over to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. Okay, so then in verse 2, after three days, the officers went through the host. And what did they, what did they do? How did they command the people? They told them to follow the Ark of the Covenant where it was about to go. But that they were to put about, in our parlance, a thousand yards between themselves and the Ark. About a thousand yards. Well, you can imagine that there are a lot of different comments on that as to why they were to have a separation of a thousand yards. Well, let me give you a few, uh, a few reasons why I think this is important. The first thing is that they might be able to see, because that's exactly what it says in the text. You don't know where you're going. And so you have to follow the ark. So make sure that the ark is a place where you can see it. Think about what would happen if they were right up next to the ark. What would happen? Well, there are about two million people or so, right? And so... In, their, in all their coming and going, pretty soon the ark is going to be enveloped by them rather than the, the ark leading the way, and then they don't know where they're going. So that's the first thing, right? The second thing is that they are to remember that the ark is that visible representation, that place where God has said, it's there that I will meet with you. And so they are to know that they're following the Lord into the land of promise. Notice who goes first. It's not Joshua and the army. It's not even the priests, really. You know, they don't leave the ark behind. No, God is leading them. As he led them by the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Notice he hasn't given up leading them because they've reached the brink of the land. He's still going to lead them. But now it's going to be a more ordinary way of leadership. But it doesn't mean it's any less God leading them. So they are to be led by the priests as they carry the ark okay so then um, Joshua said to the people in verse 5 sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you what do you think Joshua meant by sanctify yourselves well I think in Old Testament parlance that meant that they were washed they were to wash themselves they were to in a sense baptize themselves Okay, we understand that. But what, what, what is the import of it? That whatever it was that God was about to do tomorrow, that if they sanctified themselves, that it would be more meaningful, more profitable to them than if they did not. Now there's a great lesson there, isn't there? The Lord, we have heard, haven't we, in our afternoon study on the valuation of the public worship. 
The Lord is ready to do wonderful things week by week in the public worship. A part of the question is, have we sanctified ourselves that we might be able to profit from the Lord's mighty works that he is ready to do Sabbath by Sabbath? There is a proper preparation. They are to sanctify themselves. They are to wash themselves and be ready to follow the Lord as he leads them through Jordan. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so they are, as if we can put it in the language of Hebrews 12, they are to lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset them, that they may run with patience the race that is set before them, that they may follow the Lord into the land of promise. All right, so now uh, we come to this next phrase. Um, the Lord will do wonders among you. So Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. So there is a leadership role of the priests that the people of God are to respect. And so let's make sure we understand that even within the church there are different roles. We have an egalitarian tendency in our culture and in the visible church. And that's not a good tendency. There are differences in people, in giftedness. There are also differences in people in office and so on. We can, we, we can rightly recognize that. As I was studying up for my voting uh, this coming week, I was reading a particular person that was running for school board. And they were, they were asked about, you know, those dreaded three letters, DEI, right? Diversity, equality, and inclusion. <clears throat> and the person said, we cannot guarantee equality of outcome. Why not? Because everybody has different circumstances and abilities. That's why. That would be to play God. We can't do that. We can, however, press toward uh, equality of opportunity. And that's the difference between those two phrases. So in the church, so in the state, so in the family. We are not all of equal place, not all of equal authority, not all of equal station. When we say all men are created equal in our founding documents of this country, what we mean by that is that all ought to have the same, um, <clears throat> the, the same standing before law. That's what we mean by that. It has nothing to do with our place, with our ethnicity, with our, uh, whether we are uh, landed or not, whether we're property owners or not, whether we are rich or poor, whether we are intelligent or not so much, all of those things uh, don't figure into this kind of equality before the law. Equality before the law is that justice is blind, right? Just like the Bible sets it out when we'll have this understanding of, um, of it doesn't matter if you're poor or if you're rich, you judges, you just... Uh, you, just, uh, you judge justly, uh, do not respect the face of the poor because he is poor. Or the face of the rich because he is rich. And so on. So there are different places, different stations, different opportunities and so on in this world. And uh, equality in the sense of this modern version of it is a, is a, it's not utopian, it's dystopian instead. Although it would claim to be utopian, Right? Okay, so now we move on to verse 7. The Lord speaks now to Joshua, and he says, I'm going to magnify you in the sight of all Israel. 
So the Lord encourages and settles his man Joshua in his office. So we too ought to be assured of our callings and know that if lawful, we have God's blessing in them. We do have a special case here with Joshua. He was to lead the congregation as their prophet. The Lord has from time to time until the close of this world employed prophets to lead his people. Now with the close of the canon of scripture, we have the men who exercise the office of elder in the church. Those are the ones who lead the people of God. And there's nothing uh, inequitous about that. Uh, There are the pastors of the church that interpret and teach to us the word of God. There are the church governors that in, uh, in speech and in behavior also teach us. Church guides, if you will. All right, so what happened that day? Uh, Joshua commanded the priests that they enter into the Jordan. And as soon as they entered into Jordan, about three and a half miles away from there, the Lord stopped up the waters of Jordan, so they stood up as a heap. Now, I don't know exactly the terrain, but I will give you my conjecture as someone who I believe knows the Lord. And that is that he chose the best place to stop up the waters, that it wouldn't flood out all, all over the land, but that it would indeed pile up like a heap. And then when they were done passing over, the Lord released those waters and they flowed again once more in the channel of the Jordan River. So, The Lord stopped up the water. Now there's an interesting thing to think about, right? The Lord tells uh, Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Well, Moses was involved in a stopping up of the water, wasn't he? Yet there are several differences that I'd like to bring to your notice. Here we have an entering in, whereas before it was an escape. Here we have it by the hand of Joshua, before by the hand of Moses. Here it is to conquer a people and a land There it was to keep from being conquered. Here as a fulfillment of the promise of God. There also as a fulfillment of the promise of God. And note that there are no impediments that can stand in the way of God fulfilling his promises to his people. Seas, rivers, armies, inhabitants, enemies. None of them stand in the way of God fulfilling his promises. Beloved, your God is a promise honoring, covenant keeping And so he dried up the Jordan. And in so doing, what did he do? Joshua said, you're going to see wonders today. They did. They saw a wonder of the Jordan River being dried up so that they would know that the spirit that God had put upon Moses, now he had put upon Joshua. That he too dried up the waters that the people might pass over dry shod. All right. With that then, we'll close our reading of Joshua chapter 3. Let's stand and...